p.m. Every Sunday, town's always about the culture. The want sculpture, recording every Friday. So here it our way, no need to catch a flight away. It's tune for our take. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 102, After Dinner Conversations. It's crazy to be on the other side of 100 episodes, but super excited to be here with the gang. Um, Mike is here. Steven's here. I am here. So everybody, we're going to do the check-in, see how everybody's doing. What's going on with y'all? I'm chilling. I'm doing good. <laughs> um, yeah, just enjoying the winter uh, and getting close to the end of the semester. So I'm just uh, pushing through. When are you, When's your semester done? Uh, I think in a week or so. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's right. Man, I'm straight, man. I'm I'm in I'm in grind mode. New position at work, new department. Um, got a lot of things on the task. I'll send it with my manager, kind of outline what he wants me to work on, potentially work on for the next eight or nine months. And he had a strong list. He had a strong list. Like you know, you know, you know, it's a serious Excel sheet when he asks you to break it down into different tabs so you can better look at what needs to be done. And so there's two or three tabs which eat like seven or eight items. I'm like, oh, okay, it's, it's work time. But other than that, I'm cool. You know, the holidays was cool. Went to a couple Thanksgivings, uh, very entertaining, very eventful. And was the food good? Uh food was solid. The best one was probably with the Friendsgiving I went to. Uh shout out to my my, my boy Ryan, the black took me. They had the best food. Um, but the food was solid for sure. Um and your boy made mac and cheese and everybody liked it. So I am now him. And I'm <laughs> I don't no nobody call me for a mac and cheese for that best all the time. I just do it once on occasion. But yeah, no, nah, everything's cool. Everything's cool for sure. What about you, Gordon? Um, things are good. So I think, you know, it's already December. We were literally just talking about that before we started recording. But the year is is ending. And I think it's ending on a really good note um, for me personally. So I think a lot of stuff is getting set up for 2023 um, that I'm super excited about. And, you know, so looking forward to a bunch of that stuff. But I think to Mike's point, trying to get through this semester, um, get through you know end of the year at, at work so it's definitely grind time for the next couple of weeks but hopefully you know once it gets closer to the holiday I'll be done with you know most of that work to be able to really enjoy family and you know celebrating and things like that so looking forward to all of that um, but it's good to be back so we're going to jump right back in with cocktail hour um, so I did this for Steven because I know he has some yeah. thoughts here but I want to get so everybody a lot of people are you know tuned in and you know really anticipating what's going to happen with this world cup so i want to get some thoughts some predictions uh just some opinions as you either watched it or heard about it i know you know me just in watching sports recently I, you can't help but see it on highlights and, and sports center and things like that so just overall thoughts on the world cup some predictions as we we get to that knockout round uh, to be honest i've seen technically five world cups in my lifetime yeah, 98, 02, 06, 2010, 2014, 2018. I guess seven, no, actually. I guess I'm grown. Um, and this is by far the best World Cup I remember my own two eyes. We'll see how everything plays out to the finals, but there hasn't been this many upsets and great matches in the World Cup that I've seen. Like, you know, Japan being the same group as Spain and Germany were both European powerhouses and beating both of them. That's like, if somebody put the odds for that and what, through FanDuel DraftKings, that's a million dollars right there. Because it's like, it would have been impossible. Like, no way a Japanese side does that. Um, so it's been great. Um, there are two African nations who are serious. Shout out to Senegal and Morocco. 
We're done with Ghana clip. We're done. We're done. I, I, everybody keeps laughing at me. I don't think I'm ever going to watch the team, watch them play ever again. That's cap. No, that's oh, big cap. That's, <laughs> you know, you know why it's cap, yo? It's not cap. Because in 2010, right, when Ghana lost to Uruguay and could have been the first African nation to go to the quarterfinals in history, and it was in South Africa, it was like a moment. Like, we as Ghanaians talk about that World Cup all the time. Like, what could have been, like, what could have been the golden moment for Africa to really, you know, put us back on the map and have everybody respect us? And it's like, and we were always, it's one of those things like, oh, if I ever see that person again, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. It was one of those moments. And that person came to your doorstep, sat there, shook your hand before the match. They asked him, like, I think in the interview before, like, oh, because he, he basically, if you don't know, right, the context, Luis Suarez had a handball in the World Cup in 2010. And if he didn't put his hands up, it would have been a goal for Ghana. We would have broke it out. Mm-hmm. He put his hand up. He got a red card. We got a penalty. We missed a penalty. Went to penalty shootouts and we lost. Mm-hmm. So they asked him if he regretted that. He said, no, y'all shouldn't have made a penalty. So now it's all this, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck y'all. This that the third. Y'all have a chance to get your lick back. This would have been the best lick back in, in football history. What do y'all do? Lose. Lose. Mike. Like, if, if you don't want it, bro, there's nothing left for me to say, bro. They had, a, and the worst part is, Ghana got a penalty. I think it was like maybe 15, 20 minutes in. And they missed. Worst penalty I've seen taking the whole World Cup. He, he, he slipped, he hit it slow, bottom, like middle right corner. And I tell people all the time, if you're taking a penalty, if you don't put all your power to that shit and put it in the left corner, right corner, and you miss, I have no sympathy for you. Because you post, you the goalie can't do nothing. If you hit it and you make it, oh, everybody's gonna be like, tough for the goalkeeper. Like it's it's like a free throw, basically. Mm. Why are you missing your free throw? You don't have sympathy for niggas who miss free throws. Are throw. penalty kicks really like free throws? Yes. Because the thing is, is you're only about 10 yards okay, from the okay. goal and how big it is. Like, unless you're a world-class goalkeeper, okay, you should be able to like make it. And if you put it with velocity in the top left or right corners, physically it's almost impossible for the goalkeeper again. Mm. The goalkeeper can't move till you kick the ball. That's true. Yeah, goal. yeah. So it's a free throw if you're good. Mm. Okay. Because so I think from a non-soccer viewer, I'm always like, nah, these throws is not like free throws, like mm. in comparison. But I think yeah. that makes sense. Like yeah. I've, you've been doing this for mm-hmm. your whole career. Like this is so, what you do. So but when, and when you see the best <laughs> players like Ronaldo and Messi missed a penalty in this World Cup too, but he's Messi. He scored later, so it didn't matter. But the best like strikers. You see how they take the penalties? It's power, top left corner. And even if the goalkeeper touches it, the ball's going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. It's just lapsing anyway. So they did that. And then two seconds later, Uruguay scored two goals. I, I After the first goal, everybody knows me. I turned off the goal at the, the game after the first goal. I already knew it was over. Because once Ghanaians get a little pressure on them, they fold. Barbecue chicken. Can't do nothing with them. So <laughs> I've been with Ghana. I told folks I would reclassify into Senegal. My new name is Solomé. Um, now you yeah. got a whole new name. Hey, I got a new name, bro. I'm out. I'm gone, bro. I'm gone. Don't get me back, bro. I'm about to learn French too and everything else, bro. I'm about, I might convert. I might convert everything, bro. I'm done with that. But <laughs> uh, on a serious note, shout out to all the African teams that progressed. Um, we're recording this after the U.S. took their out from Netherlands as they were supposed to. Um, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of U.S. propaganda that's been on my TV too long. That's a nice out for them. They can hold it with the rest of us nations. But in terms of Predictions. This, I mean, I think the appearances this World Cup is wide open, but based on the standings, still, in my opinion, honestly, I think Argentina or Brazil are going to win it. Okay. I really do feel like it's going to be a South American team that takes it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to repeat. 
um, in the World Cup. And now I do think France has a great chance to do that, but there's something telling me it just won't happen. Um, I can't remember the last time. I think the last time a team repeated in the World Cup of maybe like the 80s for Argentina or even like the 60s or something. Okay. Like it hasn't happened in the last three decades. So we're going from the, for those two, I guess. And I think ideally what everybody wants to see, the way the bracket's laid out, is that Portugal and Argentina can meet in the finals. So Messi versus Ronaldo. Mm. As anybody knows, that's been the football goat debate for the last decade. And, you know, Messi got to one in 2014. I think Portugal, I don't think Portugal has gotten that far, but it's gotten like, you know, round of 16, quarterfinal, stuff like that. So if there's ever a way for everybody to shut the debate, it's That's right now. It's for both of them to get to the finals and somebody win. Mm -hmm. um, and so and for me, as a football fan, I would love to see Messi versus uh, Ronaldo. Granted, Ronaldo's washed now, but, you know, just, just for the option. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. it's a storyline. Sometimes you need to <laughs> So you just need to care for the storyline. But That's true. Yeah, but and if I'm not rooting for Messi to win, of course, I'm rooting for all my African teams. So Senegal, my new favorite team, I'm rooting for them against England and uh, Morocco. They're against Spain. So it's like everybody going up against some powerhouses. Mm -hmm. so we'll see. We'll see in about three weeks. That Morocco-Spain game should be really – It should be really, should be really, really, yeah. really good. And, and I heard that too. There's historical and cultural ties to that because Morocco's North Africa. You mm. know anything about the history. Yeah. Spain came down there with a hell of smoke from Morocco. So I feel like, again, this is one of those moments, yo. If you got smoke for these countries, you better show it on the field. Otherwise, it's like, what you what you prideful for? What you prideful for? Look, I might have to tune in between some college basketball games. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the same announcers, yeah. bro, on Fox, bro. Just slide, just slide in. The Fox announcers been having the best time of their life. <laughs> Uh, so now nah, it should be a good game. Should be these games have been great. Like even with Ghana losing, though, like Ghana like had some very entertaining games, especially their first two games against Portugal and Korea, um, Senegal and what's the name? Oh, and Ecuador had a really good game. There's just been a lot of entertaining games this World Cup. Um, there's been some doozers, of course, but overall I think it's been really well, considering how many people are injured too, which is kind of crazy. A lot of there's a lot of injured players who can play this year. So, but yeah. Okay. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Mike, any thoughts um, on on the World Cup? Oh no, Stevens the prime man. Yeah, Jamaica hasn't been in the World Cup since what 1998? Since I was two, yeah. I, have, I have nothing to speak on. <laughs> I have nothing to follow, bro. I have nothing to follow. Uh, uh, hopefully they get back. You got um, right with the, the mother country, bro. You got right with the queen. No, nah, I ain't running. I ain't running with uh, Senegal for sure. No, no, no. I'm talking about England, yo. No, nah, anyways, <laughs> I'm running with Senegal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I hope I hope we keep pushing forward, man. I'm rooting for them every time. And play, I like the I like the the kits or the jerseys. Yeah. Um, they're fire. On a later conversation, we won't do it this episode, but we're going to talk about when it comes to international sports and the amount of black players who do not play for their own nation. But we'll say that for their conversation. I got a lot to say about. That. Yeah, shout out to Ben. That's an interesting conversation. Yeah, we need to yeah. make sure, Mike. Let's make sure we we put Stephen on the on the hot oh, yeah. seat. Yeah, <laughs> For folks for that one too. Yeah. yeah I, I want their perspectives as well. I'm so. interested in that. Um for real. Okay. So moving on. Appreciate that. Um make sure y'all tune into the to the World Cup. Um, I think it's been a dope World Cup, even for a non-soccer person to really see what's going on. So make sure y'all yeah. check that out. Um, but moving on, so I think there's been a lot of noteworthy things happening in the news in the past couple of weeks. Um, one of those being uh Cowboys owner Jerry Jones being uh recognized, I would say, uh, in a picture. Uh, I believe 1954, I believe. 57? 50, yeah, I thought it was seven. 57. Yeah, 57, yes, 57. Yeah. Um, excuse me, being recognized in a picture in North Little Rock High School. Um, 
and a mob of white students blocking the path for six black students from entering the school. Um, so just getting your, your overall thoughts on this, there's been um, a lot of media attention on, on what's been happening and, you know, recognizing this picture. I haven't seen his interviews. I think both of you, you all have uh, heard some of his thoughts. So just trying to see what your thoughts on this are, um, you know, what the response should be potentially and, you know, what's going on overall. So it's, it's been very interesting, right? And this is at the, I guess, towards the end of Kyrie's whole situation mm -hmm. with his tweet and the anti-Semitic, uh, anti-Semitism mm -hmm. comments, excuse me. Um, and I, I don't want to say it lies perfectly, but I think the hypocrisy could never be more apparent. And I think from Jerry Jones' comments, and I think Jay Williams' Uh, did a good job articulating this is that, you know, he went into an interview and essentially said he was there out of curiosity to see what's happening. And the people there were also curious and watching. Um, and it becomes this idea of why are you speaking for the hundreds of people there to say they were curious? Because there's a lot of people there who weren't curious. When we see the pictures and we see the videos and even the movie that represents it, it's not curious people standing there quietly watching. There's a lot of people yelling. There's a lot of profanity. There's a lot of racial slurs. And so this idea that, you know, he, you can't, again, he's 14, cool. You can't prove why he was there. Mm -hmm. But I think it is almost egregious to say that he was there out of curiosity. What was he curious about? Mm -hmm. And what does his curiosity teach him about that moment? Yeah, you know no, he never he never got that far. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, statement, like, yeah. You know, and, and this is why you know I I, I had problems with how the reporter because their consistency and their line of questions is never right. You know, he said he was there. Yeah. Ask him about his curiosity. What were you curious about? What did you expect to see? And what did you learn from that moment? All those questions that were never asked. Kyrie got a million of those. And I, and I and I think you said it too. I think a lot of this stands out in comparison to, to yeah. the Kyrie situation where, you know, they were saying, hey, by you, you know, sharing this tweet of the the movie, you know, that was, uh, you know, in question, mm -hmm. you're automatically promoting it. And so then there was this, oh, so if you're promoting it in your tweets and there was, like you yes. said, it's digging. Like, they, were, they were digging, yeah, right? There was a digging. And, and I think now it's sort of like, oh, I was curious and that was it, right? Yeah. And now it's like, oh, so y'all mm -hmm. going Sunday, right? It's like, you yeah, know, exactly. like, <laughs> now you're back to talk about sports. So it, it, was, it was a really quick yeah. thing, I think, had that Kyrie incident not happened immediately before this, mm -hmm. you might have looked at it differently. But Absolutely. because that digging took place um, and sort of, you know, those assumptions being made about Kyrie took place, mm -hmm. the question does become why wasn't that same aggression, that same intent happening, you know, with this situation? Yeah. Now, um, before Mike is going to granted, I'll say this. I know uh, LeBron James made this comment. Um, and, you know, kudos to LeBron making this comment. I know... Myself and a couple other people didn't like the, how hard he came down on Kyrie, um, especially his comments, knowing that, you know, that's your brother. You know, mm -hmm. you can still hold your brother accountable, still reel him in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he could have done a better job of. Or just do it outside of or the media. Outside, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I think LeBron's probably, he's, he's capable of that because I think he is actually a great man. Uh, but I, I, I do find it funny that, you know, he said he hasn't been asked about that situation. I would have liked even more if he said he hasn't heard anybody ask the NFL players about that situation because you know really that's yeah. their role like you know Jerry Jones has no affiliation with the NBA like it would be nice if they asked him cool but you know them not asking is not like the biggest like oh my god we didn't ask LeBron about that the real thing would have been you know 
why aren't you asking Dallas Cowboy players mm-hmm. about that? You know, why aren't you asking Aaron Rodgers? Why aren't you asking Tom Brady? Um, insert QB here. You yeah. know? So why, why aren't you doing that? And I think that would have been more eye-opening if he had said that because I think it's very glaring that I don't want to say it, but I mean, money talks. I mean, who who wants to be brave enough to ask him those questions, knowing that he can maybe put in a call and you can lose your job or something of that nature? Um, but honestly, uh, I think I think the reporters need to ask more pressing questions. I'm not saying to condemn him yet necessarily, but you 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 can do it better than oh why were you there? There's there's too much to unpack right there. It's it's different when you're a I want to say it's different, but 14 years old, I think you're a pretty conscious individual. And I Especially think, at that time, right? At that right? time, yeah. I, think you're pretty, yeah. I think he's capable of answering questions related to him being there. So that's my two cents. I think that um, that just goes to the how in this culture in the United States that people relate whiteness to, like, innocence. You're not going to get that same type of, mm-hmm. you know, investigating him as if he did something wrong like you know they're investigating it as if oh what happened here you know like you know the scene in this old picture like i feel like they gave it it's like he's innocent until he's proven guilty and then the opposite like you said the whole Kyrie example is like share the link the one defending him for sharing that link i don't know what you know why he did it i'm not Kyrie, but at the same time it's like he was taken to the grave no damn near for you know how they question him how they how they um Calling me anti-Semitic, um, how they just been going to town, gave him the whole checklist of things to do to come back to play in the NBA. Like, you know, it was, it was a whole event. And then this is like a billionaire owner, one of the most popular sports franchises in the country. They're like, you know, and they're just like, oh, oh, that's that's it. You were just there curious, 14. Like, you know, like I just don't understand. Like, if you've ever been to any event in real life. I feel like you know what's going on before you get there. This is the 1950s. Now, I ain't going to say I was in love in 1950s because that's not true at all by any means. But I'm just saying, there's there's what? There's police barricades. There's six black students walking towards a school that has been historically all white. I'm sure there, you knew what was going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I knew that, what was going on. Like, exactly. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Before, I'm right? sure you heard what people were yelling. I'm sure you saw yeah. things being thrown. I'm sure you heard the news. I'm sure it was news before you even woke up that morning what was happening at the school. Like, I'm it's sure you not, talked at home, yeah, with your parents about what that's was happening. Like, that, that's like, exactly. especially like the Little Rock uh, at the um, at Little Rock, the um, the public high school, I felt the, the full name of it. Um, that was around the corner, and that and that was national news. This wasn't some local. Yeah, national, <laughs> this is a massive historical event, right? Yeah. yeah, this is like what? Yeah, like for the segregation uh, orders. Like this is a massive event. Um, like you said, we made a whole movie about it, and we we're supposed to be like, yeah, I was just a, a plucky lad in the crowd just trying to see what was going on. No, I don't want to hear that, bro. And I think, I, and I agree with you. That's what Jabo. Um, he said too, but you got to hear him. That do you denounce racism? Just say the same way yeah. he was like Kyrie. Do you denounce anti-Semitism? Cool. Yeah. Like, if you want to go, let's keep the same degrees. Like if you yeah. want people to denounce stuff, let them denounce stuff. But I, I think you brought up a really good point it. there, there, Mike, about the power dynamic. Right, you're talking about a player in Kyrie versus an owner and and Jerry Jones, and I think we sure. see that those two titles and those two roles have different expectations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I do think Jay was trolling just a little bit in asking that, but I think his point remains the same. Because I think it's a powerful, yeah, I think it's a powerful point. I think I just fully agree. I mean, if we're gonna hold these levels, if wrong is wrong, and all mm-hmm. you know, all isms are bad, 
yeah, you gotta, yes, I'm saying if you, you can't just be so what, what are we talking about here? <laughs> like, you know, you like you're in the crowd, like you can't just be like, No, you can't, you know, be in the crowd. I was just there. Your 14 is not dumb, bro. Like, yeah, 14 year olds yeah. are not stupid. Look at our 14 year olds now. Look at Gen Z right now. They do a million less than 14 on the death penalty, are they not? Ah, yes, they were. There's, I, I'm just there's, there's 14 year old black boys who went to jail. Yeah, we have no problem condemning. So, we, you, what, what do you say? Uh, do you condemn racism in all of its form? Like, let's start. Yes, those are proper, say? appropriate questions to ask, in my opinion. I, and I if the fact he hasn't, like we said, power dynamics, you know, he, he rich, people want access. Cool. The fourth estate is not what it used to be. Does not have that same role and responsibility. Different conversation for a different day. But it's just like, I don't know if, like, you know, if we're not going to have people who really question power like that, I mean, like you said, you can question a player like that, but you're not going to question an owner like that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're just holding a lot of different standards for a lot of different people. Oh, yeah. That's but what I'm it, saying. Because that's a crazy thing. That we can see it in broad daylight now. Because I think, you know, it's very easy for people to try to, oh, no, it's not true. There's too much video evidence. Like, the fact that this happens, like Corey said, like, it's happening right now, it's just too apparent. Like, mm -hmm. And of course, you know, naturally is going to fade into the background the same way that Brett Favre story faded into the background. That faded quick. Like, that faded. Let me tell you, that quick. They, they put the word in at ESPN and said, we're going to talk about this once and that's it. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's going to fade, but, you know, the, the, evidence of, the evidence of folks' hypocrisy is very evident. And so it's just going to take, at least especially from the player's side, to keep beating the hammer on the nail about, let's, let's talk about this then. We're going to talk about everything that's bad. Because I, I, you know, if you're not going to give the same energy to uh, things, we just we won't talk at all. We can talk about the game. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about the game. If you don't want to talk about this, you want to ask no questions about this. We'll talk about the game. And when you're ready to ask the, the questions that need to be asked about the situation, regardless of the individual, regardless of the sport, regardless of the topic, then we can have fruitful conversations in a press conference. But I'm not a player. I don't make no money. I'm just a board. But I mean, but like you said, you, you don't make like the money there, right? So we're talking about, you know, questioning livelihood at that point too, to, to potentially take a stance. So, I mean, I understand like there's risk there, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the question is, you know, will when these players do their pro-con analysis of whether I should make a statement, whether I should respond, yeah. you know, what does that look like? And I think that's a real situation that's hard for folks outside of, you know, the NFL, outside of pro sports to really, you know, think about. So It'll, it'll be very interesting to see, but I think to Steven's point, a lot of times we've had video evidence for a while, right? Yes. And I think we've had a, evidence of in some type of form for a while, and we've still found a way to brush it under the rug or sort of, you know, supersede it with another big news story to take to take its place. So I, I just wonder again, when we record next week, right, will this still be, you know, something mm -hmm. that is is in the headlines? Um, and then that'll be interesting to see. Don't damn well tonight. <laughs> Our news cycles. Jones will just be going. Exactly. If they ain't talking about it now, they you know, I haven't heard him do an interview since or hey, anything he said since. He's on lockdown, bro. He'll come back around yeah. when like the Cowboys went on like three or four games in a row. Exactly. And the season's wrapping up, right? Yeah, so so football, yeah, like yeah, yeah. this is football time. So it'll be very nah, they, about to, they about to go sign Odell. <laughs> Baby <Yeah>. news. <laughs> I need it for my fantasy team. <laughs> Odell. I'm praying for Odell to go to the Cowboys. <laughs> Wait, did you pick him up? Yeah, for sure. I picked him up October. <laughs> he said he was coming back. What do you mean? I need yo the best team in our league. He's he just he drafted so well, and I, I don't know. I lost him twice, bro. And yeah. I'm like tied like second, like a couple of teams. Now he's like first, but nah. I think uh, if he goes to the Cowboys, I mean him and CD uh, Odell's gonna get those, and that's a pass heavy offense. But that, but no, I don't need he Odell. You know, I got I got CD on my roster. I need, <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need this CB to get to get those touches. Hey man, I got Michael Gallup in the reserve. Stop playing, bro. I need a reason for the minute. <laughs> 
fantasy team got winning records this year, bro. Um, I got three, so. Oh, and the, the Scouts League won that series, bro. It's just, it's just me, Paul X, holding it down. Not the highest, the bottom, bro. I don't know why he For real? He did not the Was he there for the draft, or did he auto-draft? I don't know. I auto-drafted. Oh, him. okay. Like, I think Paul moved the draft the next day, and I think I was out with my cousin. We got we got wasted. I was drunk. I ain't for me to do, so. Yeah. So, I, I listen, auto-drafted team, I'll take it. If I'm, like, I think I'm, like, seven and five in that league. Okay. So, Okay, we'll see. Um, so yeah, very interesting points, but we're gonna jump into the topic um for now and we're gonna see. So we had a conversation um in one of our group chats the other day for you know the audience that didn't get the backstory, and it was sort of talking about uh crabs in the bucket mentality, specifically, you know, when it comes came to uh black co-workers in the workplace. And so I'm gonna start the conversation with the question that was asked in the tweet that was posted that started the conversation in the chat was, has it been your experience that there's a sense of solidarity between Black coworkers in the workplace? So that was the tweet that was that started the conversation. So to start the topic for today, that's the, that's the question on the table. I would say yes, right? I think, it, I think, I don't want to say it differs by generation, but I think depending on the generation from the person, it might have a different impact. And this is, not to say the older generation won't do it, but the manner in which they do it would be very different than some of the younger generation, like the millennials or the Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z. Stephen act like he don't know what. I don't. Know what you know. I don't know what y'all talking about. But um, I think I think it's very different. I think, and even they tell me like some of them who came up, uh, some of the baby boomers and oh, I think generation generation access before them or generation access after them. Um, so millennials or baby boomers. Why I think so it's X before them and then baby boomers. Who's before baby boomers? Uh, silent. Is there is there one before the, silent? The baby, but after before the baby, I think it's the greatest generation. The, World the War greatest, and then silent is before. So greatest. silent, greatest generation. Yeah, because silent, silent after World War One. Yeah. yeah, silent, then greatest. Then... Who let you call themselves the greatest? They were the World War Two generation. Oh, my God. What do you mean? I didn't even do that. I'm crazy. You so, know that? Yeah. yeah, yeah no, the greatest <laughs> and the baby boomers have much more of a cut rope, yeah, even with yeah. black individuals' personality. And they were even telling me, like, when I, that I'm in a leadership development program, that um, mm-hmm. some of the folks, especially coming up through IBM and um, other organizations, like, it was, I'm going to be that black person. Like, you're going to have to be under me. You're going to have to be somewhere else because you're not going to do it how I do it. It's mm-hmm. not until things after that was kind of like let's bring everybody up with us um i think currently today though at least for me i think the solidarity is just with co-workers and people who are my co-workers like i got solidarity with some of the folks who might be janitors or just electricians or contractors that come up i see them we nod if i walk by i might dap them up i don't i ain't never seen a day in my life but it's just that yeah i got you type of thing i think that's very very apparent at least in this generation at least for me i don't think everybody follows that like there are some folks at work i'd be like huh I hit, I hit you with a nod twice on two different occasions, and both times you kind of looked away. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's not usually a young person, it's usually somebody older, so I'm just, I just kind of take it for what it is. But I find that, I think for the most part, there's some level of solidarity. But do you see, so I think follow-up to that point, um, do you see the solidarity, and this might just not be your situation, but mm-hmm. just in general, does the solidarity change when 
those the two people interacting are within the same group right like so you mentioned genders right obviously yeah. that's not a direct threat to exactly. your role mm-hmm. do you see the solidarity exist within people that again you might be under somebody then they might mm-hmm. see you as a threat to come in and take them in you yeah. know five years or something like that does that change mm-hmm. that level of solidarity i think it does um and i think to a degree you might be either envious or more respective of that person so like when I talk to other black folks like who don't work at my at my company, we all have exchanges. Like it don't matter if you working with us, above us, below us, or you're a contractor, you're with the custodial staff, and all that. We we give that same energy, and we mm-hmm. think it's important. Like you're not gonna look at them any lesser because they still brethren. Mm-hmm. So at least I think for me, at least at the very least, I don't see as much differently. But I think other people will. And I think it's, at least in my workplace, I think it's very apparent. I to my knowledge, I don't, I don't really see people do what I do with the studio staff or some of the contracts that come up. And we all have relationships. Like when I, when I, when they see me in the morning, they greet me first now. It's like, oh, there's that kid that always says hello. And it's that type of energy. And they walk by or if I, I, don't, I never really need anything, but mm-hmm. they'll walk by like, you need anything? I'm like, no, I'm good. And just smile, whatever. So I think, I think that's just a me thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if that, is different when it comes to somebody that's like, okay, hey, I'm trying to work to be senior level manager, and you're also around that range. So mm-hmm. I might not, I might say hi, I might have a quarter conversation, I might not be as friendly with you, and mm-hmm. I think that's still pretty common because it's still people fighting for limited positions. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mike, what's your thoughts? Um. I think it happens kind of naturally. Like you said, it depends on the space you're in. Because um, I know you're giving it more, definitely a corporate perspective. But um, in my experience, it's happened naturally, no matter what space I've been in. Um, there's just less barriers to creating a relationship with fellow um, like people that you meet in your in your industry. Uh, we might, and professionally, we do kind of see the world or even uh academically we do see the world through similar lenses um and we also know the value of having that community and creating community too which is something that we i don't think we talk about enough um like being able to create community no matter where you're at that's you know and not just staying on the island not just you know trying to carve out your own niche or your own role which is important to do for our own individual ways but you know if we're able to keep in mind that like other people are here and we're also like, uh, how do I put this? I always, uh, something I believe is that when people walk into a room, they bring their whole life with them type of thing. And we're able to really connect on that deeper level um, because we're all in these rooms for a reason. And we always have to remind ourselves that too. Like we all, whatever we went through in life, somehow we ended up, you know, same corporation, same research space, same academic space, same whatever space, professional space. Like we're here to do, like we all believe in some type of work to some degree. And I think we can relate on those levels too. So it's something that's really a factor. And I think also, I think really sponsors my growth. Um, it's also great to know people who have different perspectives than you, even if we have similar life experiences. Um, and being strategic about it is the only way that I think is going to be beneficial, in my opinion, too. Because it's also, these relationships also have mutual benefits, like Stephen just said. <laughs> you know, kindness is blooms flowers in other people, too. So you do something, you, just saying hello is like, you know, you're treating people as humans. Like, you know, being able, just doing it every day, being consistent, showing up for them, or just asking them how they're doing. Things that cost no money, 
very little time just to really make an impact on somebody or you're just helping each other out with tasks or, you know, teaching, heading curriculums, whatever, the whole nine yards. Like that stuff is a lot of social capital. It's a lot of professional capital. It's a lot of uh, personal development capital too. Um, and it goes a long ways too. So these relationships, like the, I think we thrive on something really. Um, and I think like, and then from a social perspective, like we really, we can really build a lot more um, out of ourselves by working with other people. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, I've, I've been able to see it in the, the different spaces that I've worked in. I do think there is still room for improvement to to be more intentional with it, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times yeah. these, these relationships sort of, you know, happen by accident, right? So I think a lot of times, yeah, you see the same person every day yeah. so on and so forth. But I think, you know, I've noticed, you know, probably, you know, in larger ethnic groups or whatever the case is, this happens from the moment that you walk in the door, right? Somebody's right. sort of waiting for you when you get in the door to be like, hey, I'm going to be your sponsor. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be your advocate, you know, as you go through this career. And I think a lot of times for us, it happens by accident. It happens when we meet at, you know, an employee resource group. It happens, you know, at, you know, the Black <laughs> alumni happy or whatever, yeah, you know, whatever the case is, yeah. that these things aren't, you know, as intentional, I think, as other groups might make them. But I think I do appreciated more and I can't speak about you know the past I can't speak about what corporate America looked like in the 60s or the 70s but I can mm -hmm. imagine that the way that we look at work has allowed for more solidarity because mm -hmm. it doesn't it's not that I'm a direct threat to you because the industry is so big right I think a lot of people had the mindset you know looking at our parents generation once you got a job at a company you were more or like more or less going to stay at that company in some capacity right it yeah. wasn't you weren't typically going to look outside unless there was a layoff unless there was you know a merger or an acquisition but now I think you can get mentored by somebody in your company to say hey you're a senior product manager mm -hmm. you're not a direct threat to me because I just want to make you the best senior product manager that doesn't mean you have to stay here mm -hmm. right that means you know I'm going to make sure that somewhere in the industry we have a connection that you're going to be good so even if I do stay in this role for longer you're going to be good yeah. but I think now again I think that happens but I also think on that same vein we're doing a better job at succession planning and we're doing a better job to say hey I'm grooming you for when I retire so that you're the best you know fit for this role as soon as I leave and I think that wasn't something that was always done. It was sort of like, hey, I'm going to mentor you, but I'm not going to give you my exact guide because then you become too much. No, I think, hey, we need to be like, hey, this is my exact game plan. This is exactly what I do day to day, day in and day out. And, you know, just so happen if, if they do think that you're ready for this role and I'm not quite ready to retire, hey, I'm going to, I might graciously bow out, right? And I think that's not something that we've done in the past. And I think, you know, I'm seeing this more. Granted, a lot of our generation doesn't want to work till 65 and 70 and things sure. like that. So I think some of these generational changes are allowing more of this support, which I'm which I'm grateful for. But I do think a lot of the remote work also, you know, contrary is is threatening it, right? How do we still make sure that we're maintaining these support networks, you know, in a virtual environment where you're not seeing folks, you know, on a weekly basis where you can't just pop into somebody's office? So I think we definitely got to make time to to do those things. Granted, assuming that this work from home or flexible working flexible environment will change will uh stay for a while but i think yeah i was i was yeah <laughs> so i think so following up on that question i want to see so i think we're we've all been or are currently a part of professional organizations within our respective fields mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. i think for Again, the audience, those can look like a National Society of Black Engineers, National Association of Black Accountants, right? These professional organizations, 
I think most of them have uplift somewhere in their in their model, right? Yeah. So just trying to gain your thoughts on what the true responsibility of these professional organizations are post-graduation, right? I think we know what they are in terms of career development while you're in school. But now that we're we're adults, what is what does this what do these organizations what is their responsibility? I think it becomes a little bit tougher um, post-graduation because I think I underestimated how many companies have created their own internal ERGs. Mm -hmm. um, I think you have one of your... Yeah, I, I, I've been a part of some of you. Yeah, like, Mike, we're, we're all <laughs> part of one. And the, the national ones still exist, yeah. Nesbys and the Nabos of the world and things of that nature. And so I feel like they need to work in tangent to support. So the way mm. your ERG can be your quote-unquote local type of ERG, local government type of thing, those ones need to operate on a larger interest to make sure that they're helping pushing things through at a larger scale. Like, I don't think your ERG can help push policy necessarily, but I think a Nesby could. I think a NABA can. You have the right people in place that are working with uh, government and lawmakers and things of that nature. Again, I don't think that should be their responsibility per se, but there are, in some cases, and I don't think that's necessarily true outright for my company, there's crossovers for a, a company's ERG and SB. Really? Yeah, I think there is crossover because mm. a lot a lot of things they do is uh, event planning. Like they put on events for professional networking. They put up events sometimes just for like, you know, we when we were in college, we did like the dating games, whatever. Exactly, yeah. But like at a company level, like we had um uh Black Music History Month. And each each person presented a different um genre. Somebody did blues, somebody did jazz, somebody did rock and roll like we all did one and we'll play like three or four songs you have to guess that mm -hmm. so it's not as much professional development as more community building and knowledge building now do, now do you see it so i think going back mm -hmm. to your college example right mm -hmm. where there is depending on like our university right everybody had a different relationship but there tends to be like a black student association and there yes. tended to be an naacp yeah right and so one was a national local chapter of a national, national organization. organization one was strictly at a university yes. where sometimes you know they got along and did programming together and it was amazing sometimes they had their own oh, agendas sure. right yes. do we see this as potentially where one focuses more social one focuses more you know professional development and, and networking do we see the goals being different or do we see it, again, ideally being aligned at these different levels? I would say aligned. Yeah, aligned. I would say aligned, but I think what I've noticed, I think even personally for me is even, and I'll speak for Black folks, I won't speak for any other racial groups, um, not all the folks that are part of that ERG were part of these organizations mm. on campus. And so, of course, there's some of us who are part of NSB, and but the level, you know, your involvement with the group is, Subject to, yeah. oh, I only went to the national conference because it's time to get an internship versus I was vice president or yeah. president. And so I think for me personally, it's like they're supposed to be aligned, but I don't think everybody's familiar with all of them, right? And if you're not, especially you're not familiar with one, it's kind of how it's kind of it's kind of harsh. Like for example, I was an SB, I was part of the re um our local school chapter, and I was part of the regional chapter. Um, so I understand how NSB works. I understand how everything's going on. I understand the mission statement to I think it's full extent. That I've seen event planning for that versus somebody who's been in SB maybe one or two years at UK and then they come out and they're just working at the ERG level at their at their me, at their company mm -hmm. and they might be doing similar things but they don't understand where they can tie in a NSB chapter and most NSB is a collegiate organization so after after college there really is no NSB professional chapter really at least that I'm aware of mm. like NSB is the largest 
collegiate organization, I think, in the country because okay. it's fully ran by college students. Everybody from we have like a board of exec, uh, directors, I think, of people who like alumni and mm-hmm. third, but like president top down is everybody who's still in college, whether it's PhD or something else. Okay, okay, okay. But but there is a graduate yeah, level, yeah, graduate okay, level, okay. but not just like undergrad, okay. region, but it's still. Largely, it's largely ran by college students, mm, and I don't think any other organization is like that in the U.S. I can't name one. Chef, Chef doesn't do what Nesby does to that level, in my opinion. Maybe sweet, but I we have a sweet chapter at my work, I think. Okay, so and I think that's interesting too, right? Where these organizations, when I say organizations, I mean like the companies mm-hmm. are introducing these professional organizations in the exact same acronym that they are utilized yes. in in the larger context. And I think that's important, right? Because I think a lot of times mm-hmm. people are so familiar with their collegiate organization, whether it be Nesby, whether it be NABA, whether it be SWE, whatever it is. Yeah. So there's so many acronyms that I think a lot of times, similar to you know my work in finance, where that's the that's the boundary, right? That's the gatekeeping mm-hmm. strategy by you know doing yeah. all these acronyms and changing so you don't understand you know what these mm-hmm. acronyms mean. Yeah. But I think a lot of times if we can find a way to you know, keep acronyms consistent, but also make sure, again, a lot of these companies have so many functions, right? So yes, you can work at a tech company, but it still has HR, it still has finance, it still has, you know, marketing, it still has, it still has all of this, where sometimes I think the smaller functions can get lost in these ERGs, because again, if you're a tech company, the majority of the folks are tech. And so if you're HR, I feel like that ERG is largely social for you, mm-hmm. right? And so I think then it becomes, hey, how do I find my SHRM chapter, you know, outside? Or how do I find my national uh, Black MBA chapter outside? Yeah. And I think that's my question in terms of what does that national Black MBA chapter have mm-hmm. as a responsibility that maybe that Black employee network doesn't that's have that. at work? Mike, any thoughts on you? I know me and Steven, we we over here chatting. Yeah, yeah, that's why in person's fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, y'all are all good, bro. Um, I'm just listening to y'all say y'all have great thoughts on it. Um, yeah, because y'all know I'm in a different space, so it's it, yeah. it's different because everything for me is aligned on all levels. And the professional orgs I'm a part of, they do they do the social, they do the professional development, they do it all, and the conferences are meant to foster that type of networking. Um. And it's all been beneficial now. I don't think I have the experience of having those professional ones be localized on mm-hmm. in collegiate spaces. Um, but I do think that they're always going to be necessary, though. I think their role and responsibility never fades, to answer your, like, your original question. Mm-hmm. Because, like... I don't think that any any of us, especially as young professionals, we should never think that we're like ever like capped out in our talent, if that makes sense. Like we're ever like at our potential. There's no such thing, really. Like, you know, we're always gonna meet, we're always gonna need development. Like there's people who careers are longer than we've been alive and they're still at these conferences, they're still in these professional developments, they're still networking, like they still are looking for things to learn. Um, and learn from people as young as we are too, at the same time, like you know. There's a lot of people who like are just like still have that value of being a lifelong student and and whatever their discipline is, and these professional organizations help us like all get together and and do that type of thing. Um, I guess the you know the learning community we were part of was a <laughs> it's a, uh, uh, um, a micro example of that, but that hey mm-hmm. look all of us now <laughs> and everyone of all the brothers from that 2016 cohort they know what we're talking about, but hey. 
everybody's successful. And to some degree, you know, we all still in touch with each other's lives and stuff like that. And even just on social media, like we still all support each other. So like, you know, those things can be beneficial, man. I just, if you're not a part of one in your own career or your own field or industry, you definitely should look out, seek something because they do provide a lot of benefits in terms of just expanding who you are as a professional. Yeah, and I think I think Mike did a really good job summarize summing it up because I think he mentioned that at different points of your career, you're going to need different things, right? Yeah. And sometimes maybe yeah. your professional organization is the National Urban League because you just need to get plugged in in the city mm-hmm. and you need to find out what's going on in the city. <sighs> sometimes it could be your ERG because you need something specific at work and you need a sponsor and you need a sports system. Sometimes it could be mm-hmm. your professional organization because you need a certification to get to the to the next level of the job and you want you know, somebody to fund it, right? So I think that's probably the best way to think about it is they all have their own responsibilities. Some of it being social, some of it being professional and technical mm-hmm. where, you know, they work with each other. And I think so Mike made a good point about if you're not in something, join something, right? I think the biggest thing is, is showing up and maybe that's not what you need right now. So maybe you need to join something else and obviously don't overload your plate, mm-hmm. but I think they all have their different benefits, different and unique benefits mm-hmm. and responsibilities to the point where you got to figure out what it is that you need at that moment um, in your career. Yeah. Quick follow-up question. Um, Mike, before you can answer this, do you guys know of any Urban League collegiate chapters? I don't, I think that Not is really a professional organization. It is, but then wasn't it created and founded by collegiate students, unless I'm mistaken, to a degree? But I know they had like, help from Dr. King and the um, um, Southern Christian Leadership, Leadership Conference, Conference mm-hmm. help with that too, but I don't know, maybe I'm getting my history slightly mixed up. I thought it was not let's say created by collegiate uh, students, but I think I thought they were a uh, uh, driving force behind its existence. And it's, I mean, it's occurred to me that I don't think I've ever seen an Urban League leaving that chapter. I would imagine that it had some connection with SCLC or SNCC, yeah, um, SNCC. at that time, but I don't know mm-hmm. the original beginning. But I think, again, that goes back to our point earlier about, you know, the Jerry Joneses and not to bring everything back up, but yeah. everything started so much younger for, the, for that generation, True. right? You mm-hmm. know, we're talking about people that we looked up to as icons mm-hmm. were 25, 26, you know, Doing this. years old. So yeah. I think a lot of it was, was just different in mindset. And is there, is there Urban League NCT? Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. I don't know if it was you, Porter, or Mike, who had made the point. I want to say it's you, Porter, about usually there's one of them that dominates that area more. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. place to be Urban League. I would say for Connecticut, it's NAACP yeah. because they have their, their dinners and everything else and they're in the collegiate chapter, so. I was just curious. I don't think, and to my knowledge, I haven't really investigated this, but I don't think I've heard of, I've seen anything NAACP related in, in Kentucky at all. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's it, like they have okay. like conventions and dinners and things of that nature. So I think yeah, it usually is one or the other. And I and I don't know if it's the NAACP that's more the North that takes over. Mike, what do you see more, NAACP or Urban League? I'll say. What am I? I'm saying urban. I don't think I've seen. It might be in North South. I don't think yeah, I heard. Or like, like and I mean, I mean, a lot of people point me to resources. I've never heard anyone point me to NAACP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might, it might be a North and South Mason Dixon. I, I was waiting for, <laughs> I was waiting for to say it. I was waiting for people <laughs> to say it. <laughs> I was waiting for Stephen to say it. But all right, all right. Um, dope, dope, dope. Um, so I think last question, and I think we could wrap it up. Um, so in an ideal world. How do you see black coworkers interacting, engaging, supporting? And I think when I say coworkers, I do typically mean within the same field, within the same industry, mm-hmm. right? At sort of a, around the same level, interacting and engaging with one another in the workplace. Yeah. 
ideal world, utopia. Utopia. <laughs> I mean, I think I don't know. I feel like I, you know, I mean, I'm very like community building mm-hmm. based. Um, I credit that a lot to family, of course, and of course our mentorship from Dr. Hines, other people we've met at UConn. Mm-hmm. But I believe it's like you know their interactions have to be a growth between the individuals, and so unless you know people are getting hired at the same time, there's usually somebody who was there prior. And I think mm-hmm. it's always very crucial for black professionals to make sure that and you don't necessarily have to be teaching somebody all the time. I think making sure somebody is comfortable in a workplace and feel like they can discuss work-related things from a knowledge perspective to you or at least be, have you able to point them in the right directions and that could be somebody who's not black which is fine but just have that knowledge source is important so i think y'all should be able to be working off each other to better yourselves and then from a non-professional standpoint just have a level of community where y'all enjoy each other's presence mm-hmm. to a degree you're not gonna like everybody not everybody's for everybody and that's completely fine but i think when i see black co-workers interacting and you know in the field together they're kind of like playing off each other. Like, okay, like let's say if um, me and Mike was in tech, I'm like, yo, I know Mike's really good with Python and he's really good with cloud-based initiatives. I might not work on that that much, but I'm going to talk about Mike about these things. I'm going to get his tidbits. I'm going to get his perspective. Vice versa, I might be really good at firmware and I'm doing things in um, C and other things within Linux. Mike, me and Mike, we go back and forth. We're going to talk about our work either professionally or just casually about like what we like, what we don't like, just so we just get knowledge of the business. Because a lot of it, to be honest, it's knowledge of the business. Um, and it's, it's one thing to know what you're doing, become an expert in that. I think companies value that a lot. But the higher you go, and I think we talked about this. Oh, um, podcast that you need to really have elevated thinking. Mm-hmm. You need to be at a thinking, um, planning, long term planning. You might not have all the details, but you need to understand how you can make this work and mm-hmm. how what you're doing here might affect the business over here. And I feel that to a degree, well, that's how I am now because I'm not in the tech IT space in my department no more. I'm over in uh, global annuities, which is basically more like sales and marketing and things of that nature. So I'm like A to B, but now I can see how things are connecting. I think that's very important for black folks to make sure that we understand all parts of the business. Mm-hmm. There, shouldn't, there shouldn't be a reason why we don't understand all parts of the business. We might not work in it. We might not know all the details, but we should know baseline where does the money make Help, at least from a corporate mm-hmm. perspective, you know, academia is going to be different. Um, nonprofit organizations are going to be different. Every sector is going to be different. But if I'm talking about from mine, from that corporate perspective, excuse me, that's what I would expect. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I think for me, I think there's three things that I would love to that I would love to see in an ideal world. But I think this assumes that everybody gets along, everybody homies, and you could dab yeah, everybody yeah, up, which isn't always the case, right? But I think I would love to see transparency. So when I say transparency, I mean transparency of goals, right? Because I think just because two people are in similar roles and start off at similar path doesn't mean their goal is the same. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have entrepreneurial endeavors and, hey, I'm just at this corporation so I could get this five years of experience and go start my own thing. And then some people are like, hey, I want to be a partner. I want to be a senior manager or a VP or whatever. So I think the first thing I would love to be able to have is a conversation transparently with somebody and be like, yo, Steven, what are your goals at this company? So that we know either... We either we know how to avoid stepping on each other's toes or we know, hey, this is an opportunity that I think my boy Steven could benefit from. So I'm going to pass it along or this is something Mike could benefit from. So I'm going to go and make sure, you know, I could connect him with somebody that I know. So I think there there has to be some of that transparency in there and, and be honest. Because a lot of times 
I feel like what happens with the crabs in a bucket mentality going back to the topic is I'm going to keep my goals, you know, hidden in the pocket. And I think, yeah. you know, yes, there's pros and cons to everything, but I think there could be significant benefits if we're both being honest and, and transparent about, hey, what our goals are and how we can help support each other. Um, I think with that comes sponsorship to be like, hey, if I'm somebody that's more senior in the company, when I see somebody, you know, if I see Steven or Mike walking in day one and I'm the senior manager on the account and this is, you know, Steven, the, you know, new entry level associate, I'm going to have you under my wing to the point where you have to push me off mm -hmm. as opposed to the other way around where, you know, you're begging for me to mentor, you know, I'm going to come in and you, and we're going to work together. And then if you say, Hey, you're doing too much, mm -hmm. then I'll step back. But I rather it be that way. So yeah, no, I, no. I never put the responsibility on the new intern or the new associate. I'm putting the responsibility on myself. Mm -hmm. And if they say, Hey, you're doing too much. I'll, I'll step back. But until then, I'm going to put the responsibility on myself, which I think takes the weight off of somebody that's already trying to learn the company, as Steven mentioned, trying to learn what happens. Um, so I think that's my second thing. And I think the, the last thing, I think it's important for us. This is not necessarily how we interact, but I think this is an individual point is self-awareness. Yeah. I think sometimes it's like, yo, Steven's just better than me at Python. Or, you know, or, you know, whatever, whatever, yeah, the, whatever, whatever the situation yeah. is, or, you know, Mike is a better, you know, manager of, of accounts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just got to realize that. Yeah, and either, yeah. and either you're going to go back to school where you're going to get better, or you're going to practice in your own time, or you're not. Yeah. And so when Steven gets the promotion over me, I don't hate Steven. Steven's better than me at Python. <laughs> and this is what the, you know, the role was based yeah. on. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a big thing that happens like yo steven makes more than me well steven's better than me at the job and i think like and look i'm not saying like yes i'm yeah. being dramatic right yeah. i'm using hyperbole now mm -hmm. but i think it's so important to have this self-awareness because i think that level sets your expectations and you're able to interact with this person in a different way right it's not like because if you compare you know apples to apples but really in reality the comparison should be apples to oranges then you interact differently yeah. right and so that sponsorship looks different the transparency looks different the mentorship relationship looks different mm -hmm. because you're comparing things on the level that they should be compared as opposed to an ideal situation where everything is equal because the reality is everything's not always equal right. and so i can't compare oh these are two black men so they got no this it's not always the same yeah and i think you know being self-aware and, and knowing that is so important so i think those would be the the things that i would would love to see uh in an ideal world i think for me i just just to be brief i think i wanted to be um i want our communities professional or whatever communities to be places where there could be there can be a poor community it could be healing could be you know nurturing and stuff like that but i also like it to be a place where we can keep challenging each other too like similar to what y'all are saying um to keep our growth moving forward um and to make sure that even on that, even though we can relate to each other and it's nice to be in community, but, you know, just holding each other accountable. Um, we, we need that as much as anything else. Um, we need people who want to keep it real with us, you know, keep telling the truth, um, keep us honest with who we are, even humble sometimes, you know, depending on where you're, who you are as a person or where you're at. Um, but like things that keep us on, keep us going in the way that, I, don't know, I just never, I guess in a way that I don't ever want us to be in places where we just get very content and comfortable. Like, you know, and we're just, just, you know, it started off being something productive and now we're just messing around or just not 
being conducive to anything and then it just fades out they mean now so everything's a more of a detriment and or negative what we're seeing is we see community building as a waste of time but nah, i mean i think just keeping it real with each other and keeping us challenging keeping us keeping our thinking pushing moving forward um that's the best best way to fit probably from uh what i like to see in our professional spaces okay. i like that i like that Okay, well, thank you, gentlemen. Um, it was a it was a really good conversation. Um, I think similarly, this is something that we could probably dig a little bit deeper into. Um, but I think this was was a great talk. So thank you all for engaging it and having it with me. Um, so sliding into to table talk for today. Um, it's getting that time. We literally talked about it before the pod. It's winter time. It's mm. it's the first weekend of December. Mm. Um, and so for folks that know, it's it's cuffing season is I'm going to stay in the house and just chill and lay up season. So I got the question for the table talk is, and thank you for who, uh, the person that sent this to me, but are there any additions that you're making to your cuffing season playlist for, for 2022? Mm. It, could be, it could be a song that you already <laughs> sent in that you already did for past the all. What if it's a future one? I don't want to give you a free game. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now we talking yeah. about crabs in a bucket again. Dude's trying to keep things, keep things in the bucket. <laughs> y'all got uh, y'all got Rod Wave y'all cuffing playlist. Mike, don't make him. Chill, my guy. I'm gonna hear this now. Call me. Why don't you put the Rod Wave? Everybody, woman love Rod Wave. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Rod Wave supporter. <laughs> I know, y'all, all y'all. The air stop. He makes good music. So. No, nah, but I like uh I don't know if I know Dylan Sinclair. He yes. yeah, some good I play Dylan Sinclair, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's dope, man. He's dope, definitely. Yeah, so I'm gonna just just him in general, his vibe. Uh his vibe in general, but I like his um his most recent album, No Longer in the Suburbs. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, some good songs off of there. Um I don't know, it hasn't been too much R and B coming out recently. Uh I guess that I'm not tuned into my part. I think that's pretty much it. I don't think I'm really cuffing anything else. It's like it's like to, for that traditional sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will next. I'll leave Corey for last. I know he got like twenty recommendations. I'm I'm gonna give projects. I'm not gonna give. Yeah, I'm giving songs. You know what I mean? I be I be, yeah, I be in my R and B bag. You know what I mean? I'm deep in R and B. Every every weekend, I'm a new album, new person. But I think I'm not adding this to my players. I'm giving recommendations for folks who need that for their company. For that. Why are we giving a disclaimer? We gotta do the standards in this world. Um, I'll go with uh, some people, Drum and PJ Chicago. Get I think it's actually off Drum's album he dropped. I want to say last month called "What Had Happened Was." Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, I'm gonna play that for y'all next week. I think it's really good. But I'll put that song. I think it's a nice, cool vibe. If you wanted something alternative, um, yeah, I think the song that I did last week for Pastor Aux, you can do that. That's more of a jazzy vibe. So you gotta know your audience if you're gonna play that, but. You know, Adam Black, so and Jasmine, so and always goes. And honestly, if I'm being really honest, you can probably slide in any song from John Vinyl's EP. Mm. I'll probably do the entice me or pressure, but John Vinyl is tough. Yeah. John Vinyl so, is tough. That's me. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna give y'all a couple projects. I'm oh, sure y'all sure. already heard them. Um, I played a song from one of them. Uh so Kenny and Dixon, I think I played him either yes. last week or two weeks That's ago. Yeah. Um, but Closer, uh, he now dropped the deluxe of the Closer album, so make sure y'all check that out. I think that's something that you could pretty much play straight through, to be honest, and sort of just chill. Closer, yep. Um, Closer is the name of the project. The artist is called his name Kenyon Dixon. 
Um, so yeah, make sure y'all check that out. I think you could play it again pretty much straight through, just chill vibe with that. And then um, if y'all haven't, check out um Tink's new album, uh Pillow Talk. Tinks? Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that yeah, so there's a couple songs on Tink's new album, uh Pillow Talk. I think it dropped about a month, a month and a half ago. Um, that you could put you could throw onto the playlist. So um depending on your vibe, I'm not gonna say which ones I would put on there, but depending on your vibe, there's a couple songs to check out um on there as well. So those are the two that would, would be some additions uh for me um in the in the winter time. Trying to remember what song that one is. Oh, she had that song with uh Money Long Mind. I forgot song. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a couple there. Um, and quickly, 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 plug a plug. Um, I want to shout out uh, to this traveling uh, art exhibit, art gallery. Um, it is called the Black Boy Art Show. Uh, Black Boy Art Show on Instagram. So spell straight like that, Black Boy Art Show. And so what they do is they go around and I believe they interact with different artists in the cities that they're traveling to. I believe they might have some that go throughout their tour. But it's the mission is to, you know, celebrating black men in art, the strength in their stories and the creativity in their expression. So artists of different form are all engaged in these different cities. So, you know, Charlotte in January, they're headed to Memphis late January. So if you're in one of these cities, check them out. Again, go to blackboyartshow.com or blackboyartshow on Instagram. If you're an artist, I'm sure this would probably be a great opportunity to reach out if you're in one of these, you know, cities that they're traveling to. But again, they're just trying to support uh, Black men and their art and their creativity and their expression. So shout out to them. Um, and hopefully uh, some of you are able to to support that. Yes, sir. All right. We already know what time it is. Pass the ox. Who is leading the way? Um, I'll go. I'll go. This wasn't my week necessarily to try to um to take the championship or to take the title. <laughs> um, but I definitely wanted to shout out this song. Um, from again, we talked about Nas's project, I believe, last week. But this is a song that takes the nameplate and the title for one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, being one mic. So the song is called One Mic, One Gun. Uh, Nas and Twenty One Savage. Ain't no back and forth, ain't no left or right. I got King's disease, but I move like a knight. Rappers bandwagon trying to get some light. I do it for the fam, never for the hype. When you turn a legend, no such thing is relevant. They must have forgot that I'm a new rapper that got integrity. All in the media and blogs, that's just a place I don't care to be. Most of these niggas wouldn't say shit if they was ahead of me. No back and forth, I did it back then, I do it right now. I open a lane for my era, I'm cool that they gave me the crown. Go with all the success, come negative press, I'm watching it pal. They saying that black music dying, I'm saying they right on the south. But look at me now, damn, y'all, look at me now. Whatever I do isn't why, I'm keeping it queens, cause that's my side. I shook up the town, I shook up the city, I shook up the state. I went 21 on my second run, that shook up with age. It's a conversation, it's determination, your interpretation. I just shot the nation, did my tour with the womb, I came back and I set the pace. They just ran and went about crib and took what I replaced it. Two Caucasians, all part of their faces. Most of y'all assume that they was black as exploitation. They know that I see everything invested in ring. It's cool to be mainstream. I'd rather be timeless. That's if we keep it in peace. 21. 21, 21.
I'm on that same trajectory. Bullet wounds in jail cells can't stop me. This my destiny. Never controversial. I'm mad the fans expect the less from me. Nigga sneeze around me, wipe his nose, don't get no bless from me. Fuck the jury, I'd rather buy land and invest successfully. I got all type of stocks and bonds. Can hit they wildly on my wall and I'ma pass it to my son. It's savage like the copo that me Escobar the done. One mic, one gun. My net worth like eight figures. I'm working on getting me nine. You know that I'm one of them niggas. I ain't doing no cap in the line. You rappers be chasing the hype. I do it and I don't be trying. I ain't going against 21 Savage. Well, Nas and 21 Savage. One mic, one gun. Um, make sure y'all check that out. And make sure y'all just check out the Nas Project uh, in general. King's Disease 3, right? Yes. King's yep, King's yep. Uh, that's dope. Uh, I can go next. Uh, my song came across the not too long ago. Uh, saw it. Absol and Zakari. Or Zakari. I hope I'm saying the name right. Uh, but this song is called Do Better. They always haunt my dreams. The green twins with your eyes They always haunt my dreams Said I gotta do better, I gotta do better, I gotta pick up the pieces and master the puzzle upon us. Put the man in the mirror in the eye and be honest. Slow down time, get back in line with my chakras. Reach for the galaxy, leave stardust for thus after me. Enter the void, fill in the cavity. Risk the reward if that's how it has to be. I gotta do better, I gotta do better, I gotta do everything in my power to try to do what gotta do. Ride the tide, don't fight with the current that guided you. Melt the ice round the furnace burning inside of you. I gotta do better, I gotta do better, I gotta do better. There's nothing they can do that I can't do better. Better yet, there's nothing I can do that I can't do better. Yeah, I'm better. I said I'm better. Gotta do better, I gotta do better, I gotta. Shade stuck to my face, hoodie glued to my head. Hiding from the same world that made me who I am. Deep rest, can't even get out of bed. Too blessed to be so stressed. I do all this shit just to say get off my deck. Mixed emotions prohibit my focus. This what you wanted, what's wrong with you? You don't make sense. Feel like I could flip at any moment. Face is playing and it's fucking with me. Doing drugs was just a war with boredom, but it's sure to get me. Lord forgive me. Amen. Wear the crown of thorns for sport. I'm just waiting for a stone to hit me. Uh, relationship on the rocks. My family, y'all concerned. My homie still on the block. Getting it off the curb. I'm stricken by survivor's guilt. I'm getting it off of words. Word. Come on, Herb. You gotta do better. I gotta do better. I gotta. Gotta do better. I gotta do better. I gotta. Gotta do better. I gotta do better. I gotta. Gotta do better. I gotta do better. I gotta, gotta do better. Gotta do better today. Gotta do better. That is 
Absol and Zakari do better. Make sure you check it out. Absol, you know, he drops his little singles here and there. We love to see it from Absol. So shout out to TDE. Uh, Mike, you up? I think you are on mute, my boy. Hold on. Uh, almost read the title of it. My fault. <laughs> um, I had a really good song this week. It's a different vibe. Uh, it's called titled Tears of Joy by Love and Kylie. Roll with some natural wine So fun, so fun Hot tub had a temperature rise So high, so high His love ain't better than mine Stop lying, stop lying. And those drugs ain't getting you high No more But if you were mine Comments on his song that's crazy, but I like that. Nah, I like that song a lot. It's a smooth vibe. I think it's more like summertime ish, but I like still like it a lot. That's dope, dope. Um, so it's been a great episode 102. So thank y'all for tuning in. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe on wherever you listen to after dinner conversations. We appreciate it. Shout out to all the people as they get ready for Christmas. Don't break the bank on Christmas gifts. But um, again, thank y'all for listening. Tell a friend to tell a friend. This is episode 102, After Dinner Conversations. Thank y'all.
going it after dinner conversation.